BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Mood with Lauren Elizabeth. I'm Lauren Elizabeth. And for today's current mood combo, I am so excited because it is literally just such an incredible conversation that actually really helped me where I'm at currently and I feel like is going to help so many of you guys. I'm going to be joined with Jason Tardick. You probably know him, obviously, from The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Obviously, he's a boy. Duh. He's engaged to Caitlin Bristow just for, you know, girly girl context. But obviously, Jason is more than that. He's an entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and host of the Apple's top charting business podcast, Trading Secrets. So he worked in corporate banking for 10 years, obviously took his detour into reality television to be a contestant on The Bachelorette. And the reason I really wanted to talk to him is his podcast is amazing, but he also came out with an amazing book. It's called The Restart Roadmap, and it's going to help you guys take control of your happiness and fulfillment with monumental restarts in your career. He really capitalizes how it's like never too late to redefine yourself and your priorities, and he really guides you to changing your career and your life with like clear action steps. So not just a bunch of like woo woo, all that kind of stuff. It's really a roadmap. No cap. Ooh, maybe I should have had him hire me for a slogan. He basically helps you evaluate your life and identify the questions you should be asking yourself, which is my personal favorite part. Drown out all the voices that pushed you in the wrong direction and redefine what success means to you. So we are going to have an awesome, awesome, awesome conversation with Jason later. But first, obviously, let's dive into best mood and worst mood of the week. Before you get lost in the sauce, um, I do want to let you guys know that the merch is dropping next week. So this will be the third mood merch drop. And dare I say, it's the best one yet. I've been teasing it on Instagram. I'm drinking out of our first ever mood tumbler right now. It's so cute. It's like clear and it just has like an upside down smiley face because I've decided that the upside down smiley face, I think, is like our cult sign. Okay, maybe one would say like unofficial logo, not called, whatever. You get the point. But I love it because you know that a lot of our mood boosters are kind of like athletic greens or like mixing powder in your drink or juicing or whatever it is. And so this is like the perfect size for all those kind of mood boosters because obviously you want to drink like a shit ton of water during the day, but this is really going to kind of like push you to make yourself like a little wellness cocktail in the morning. So we absolutely stand. We adore her. So it launches on Friday next week, aka seven days or six days and something hours. I don't know. I put a countdown on my story, but basically it'll be shoplaurenelizabeth.com. We have a hoodie, a crew neck. We have a tumbler, a hat, um, a phone case that you definitely seen on my Instagram. And oh my God, you guys, the shorts are absolutely fucking insane. They're not the same like style that we did last time. It kind of has like a different like waistband and like a little pocket on the back. I've never been so impressed. You guys are going to absolutely love it. So make sure for like updates and to stay up to tune to follow at mood with Lauren Elizabeth on Instagram and obviously follow me as well at Lauren Elizabeth. I almost want to say that my worst mood this week is the fact that like Illinois just passed a law that we can't have face filters anymore. And I feel like I'm just admitting it because it's so embarrassing and like toxic. The fact that like I'm actually not well that I don't get to use face filters anymore because basically if you live in Chicago, we are on the struggle bus now because of facial recognition software. They're not letting us use face filters anymore. So that's just kind of like something that I've been dealing with all morning, like having to kind of grapple with the concept that I hate myself so much that I actually care about this because I clearly don't want my face to look like my face. But you know what? That's a topic for another day. Today, we're going to focus on other things. My actual best mood this week was 
finally just like feeling like the summer best version of me. And I feel like I know this is vague and I know this is random, but I think that you really don't understand how much like the sun and fresh air and like the vibes change your motherfucking life until you obviously live in a city like Chicago where winter is so depressing. And obviously I try to like make all my mood boosters like work for me during the fall and the winter and everything like that. It's just so funny because you work so hard during like those seasons to make yourself feel better because like weather really makes you feel like shit so that when it gets to the good weather you've already been doing all this mood boosting work that now it's just so elevated absolutely bursting with best mood because you're already in such a good place because you work on your mood and the weather's good like are you kidding me talk about recipe for success I don't know what it is I just feel like a lot of times too I talk to you guys about mood boosters and best moods that are almost like childlike as you're an adult it's so nice to just kind of feel like young like a kid again you know and there's something about going outside on a hot girl walk sweating and it being like so warm outside and like having like fresh clean wet hair hair with like a little bit of a sun kiss that is just like the best feeling in the world and it makes you feel I don't know maybe if you like grew up kind of like doing that like I did that's why it makes me feel like very childlike and it just I don't know I feel like there's just more going on now with good weather than just like work being a doll and so I feel as though if you're living somewhere that has obviously crazy weather seasons or just normal weather seasons like New York or Chicago or somewhere like that it's so nice for when you're just like feeling down or anxious or something just to like get out and get in the sun get together with your friends like go out to eat earlier while the sun's still out like it's definitely a mood shifter for sure this week that is my best mood just because we have been on the struggle bus for so long here in the city of Chicago with the weather and so I'm absolutely just bursting and elated with happiness because it the weather is real and we don't have to try as hard to be happy now we can just go outside in the sun but my worst mood obviously there's a worse mood is my anxiety was really bad this week um to the point where like it you know when it's just like bad physical symptoms I hate that shit where it's like I'm not necessarily like as worried about anything nothing's top of mind it's just like physical anxiety symptoms like I was nauseous for days and uh, my therapist hates when I say that I always say I don't know why and she's like you do know why you just need to like think about it whatever it's just so annoying where like you're almost so on autopilot with anxiety that like you just like feel nauseous and like you feel anxious you're not even thinking about anything it's just like so ingrained in you sometimes and my favorite thing I've been doing lately like I was literally laying in bed this morning laughing at myself because I have noticed that so many times especially like the past like couple months where like I've been getting better and I've been figuring things out I will literally be like on my phone and our brains work so fast right and I'll be on my phone and I'll think wait what was I just anxious about wait what what just pissed me off like I can't even remember that's how dumb it is and I was like laughing at myself this morning because I just thought I can't even remember why I feel like nauseous for a sec like your mind just works so fast I'm just thinking wait why am I anxious like what just triggered me like why do I feel like this and so what I've been doing lately is I've just been like laughing at myself and I kind of posted this on Instagram yesterday but it's once you're kind of like aware and you don't like play into it anymore I mean my sense of humor is obviously my own and of course we need to be kind to ourselves and you know our self-talk needs to be positive but also like I have a sense of humor so literally now I've just been telling myself to shut the fuck up more often than not like not obviously like in a totally mean way because that's not like good for your like vibes but I literally was just like wait what am I anxious about and then I laughed and I was like eh shut the fuck up it's just stupid if I can't even fucking remember it's clearly not that important and what I always say is if it is important it will come back up like I will remember and so why do I have to like go on a mission to like remind myself why I'm anxious and go down that rabbit hole I kind of posted about this on the at mood with Lauren Elizabeth Instagram kind of similarly to how I cope with those what if thoughts and someone just DM'd me too she was like well I have OCD so like all my thoughts start with what if and I was like a hundred percent like I know someone very close to me has the same thing but I do it with her as well and I do it with myself where like if she says something to me that starts with what if I immediately call her out on it the same way I do myself just because it's not productive and so for me my sense of humor is like I've gotten to the place where if I say what if blah 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 I immediately tell myself like we're not doing that shut the fuck up you don't need to tell yourself to shut the fuck up because 
I'm not prescribing that. And it's just clearly what I do to myself. But I find it very similar in a sense of kind of like when you notice these worst moods coming up and the more you call yourself out on it in your head, not in a shaming way, not like, oh my God, look, you can't even like think normally, like you, like don't be mean to yourself obviously like the shut the fuck up thing is a joke but I noticed that it actually helps too like when my friend is struggling when she says what if so-and-so happens or so-and-so or whatever I'm just like okay I understand that like you're fearful and something's going on but like you have to be able to at least present to me your concerns without what if because what if is basically like trying to predict multiple outcomes of the future that's not productive we have no way of knowing that those things are going to happen of course they could happen but all the other good things could happen as well so let's actually talk about your real fears and really get to the root of it and try to have a more productive conversation because what if is just genuinely so counterproductive and a waste of time like you're literally going through all these things that could happen while you're sitting in a moment that's fully happening right now wasting your time on that when you could be taking the next right step and the next right action to just get your place to the better version of a what if so I'm a big believer in no sentences starting with what if unless it's obviously in a different context of like not OCD and anxiety obviously I'm not saying that the words are bad I'm sure there's great sentences that start with what if what if I gave you five dollars I'd be like yeah I'll take it but so that was my little worst mood rant that I think I needed to hear and I saw a lot of you really respond to on Instagram because I you know for mental health awareness month I think the biggest thing for me is that I think it's really great to break the stigma and I think it's really great to be open and honest about mental health and what you're struggling with but I think the biggest thing for me is that I've noticed that the more I learn about mental health it actually helps me logically understand what's happening in my own brain and be able to name it and identify it and deal with it in a productive way instead of just kind of being like oh well I have anxiety and there's nothing to do it's like this is what my brain is doing I'm not crazy this is anxiety and now I'm going to figure out the tools as I call myself on it and kind of like shorten and shorten and shorten how far down a rabbit hole it takes me I was literally just texting my friends about this and I don't know why I'm talking in a British accent but obviously like I said it's literally summer girl season I don't know what a summer girl is she's me I'm her and Article has launched their new line of outdoor products for summer 2022. So think like oversized statement loungers, streamlined dining pieces, easy to style sofas, all your backyard needs. With 42, 42 new pieces plus a selection of bestsellers from seasons past, Article has what you need to outfit the deck of your dreams this summer. I have a huge deck. I did not furnish any of it last summer because all my article pieces are in California and so now I'm kind of like really excited I was texting my friends I was like okay so I feel as though we need to furnish my deck because it's huge and we can like play games out there and it's just absolutely gorgeous so I'm so excited because article combines the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online so I don't even need to leave my house and article's team of designers focuses on beautifully crafted pieces quality materials and durable construction they are dedicated to a modern aesthetic of mid-century Scandinavian, industrial, and bohemian designs. So my favorite part, obviously, and why I love recommending Article to people is because you are going to be so impressed with these pieces that are absolutely incredibly made, are going to last you like real adult piece furniture, but it's affordable. Everything is fairly priced. You literally save up to 30% over traditional retail prices. Article is able to keep their prices low by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. So without showrooms or salespeople or retail markups, you're able to get those fair prices. It's genius. And they have fast, affordable shipping available across the USA and Canada and free on orders over $999. All in-stock items are delivered in two weeks or less. So if you need furniture like timely and like you actually want to go with something you trust and like you just actually want furniture like that's when I always shop article so article is offering my listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more to claim you can visit article.com slash mood and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout so that's article.com slash mood to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more oh that just made me want to go outside and like furniture shop seriously like that's like really tough to like know that I have to edit this afterwards but it's fine because we're going to talk about mood boosters another funny thing that I've noticed 
I've been doing in my head lately that I haven't told you guys like on the podcast or ever is since I'm always constantly throughout the week thinking of things that like are boosting my mood, things I want to share with you guys. I have this like little inside joke with myself in my head where like I actually have this like ongoing list, the opposite of mood boosters, like just things I fucking hate. And so I was thinking yesterday in the elevator, I was like, I wonder if they'd be interested in like, obviously we talk about worse moods and we talk about real shit, but maybe just like telling you guys like all my opposite mood boosters and like just bad things and like in a fun way, obviously, like not to like, you know, put everyone in a bad mood. But anyway, I do throughout the week also think like this is the opposite of a fucking mood booster, um, which is fun and silly and real mood boosters this week. Like I said, we're in line with like the sun. Okay. It's summer girl season. And my first one is country radio. So what I do is I go on Spotify and we either filter our liked songs through genre, which I don't know if everyone knows that you can do that. I only figured it out a few months ago, but you can literally filter your songs based on genre and press shuffle, which is just like uh, honestly amazing. And then I'm never someone that does like radio. I think it's just because a person with anxiety that wants control and to know what happens next, which is like so fucking stupid when it comes to uh, Spotify. So I literally like ended up on Morgan Wallen radio the other day. And I was like, wait, this is amazing. Like it's just like fun background music. I don't know what's coming next. And I actually enjoy it. So I even like found some new favorite songs from it and we plugged in the speaker. And so it's just like while I'm getting ready or while I'm outside or while I'm cooking, it's just like you need country music on right now. And if you're not a country girly, like we can still be friends, but like just know that I don't relate to you or understand you whatsoever. Which brings me to cooking. Uh, grilling season. Did someone say grilling season? You guys, it is so easy to eat healthy in the summer because all you have to do is get literally a bunch of fresh shit, chicken, asparagus, watermelon, you fucking name it, throw it on the grill. You're eating outside. You're literally sipping on some cold rosé with ice in it because we don't care that that's like not really something you should put in your wine. Like I don't care. My mom always makes fun of me. It, it's hot outside. We're putting ice in the wine. And I literally went to bed last night after doing that and I was just like, wow, I feel like it's so much easier to eat healthy when you're literally outside on a grill because usually I would like throw in a bunch of other things because I'd be like, ooh, I need to make a whole meal and what am I doing? But you just know you're throwing stuff on a grill. You don't really want to take anything else else out to the grill deck and it's really nice and it just feels so like clean and fresh and like summery. And so it's a total mood booster from obviously the mindfulness of cooking to that feeling of just like caring for your body inside and out and just being aligned with the summer vibes. My next mood booster, and I kind of think I posted this on Instagram, is I redid my Pinterest. So I kind of like after last week when I talked to you guys about like feeling like a weight is lifted and just kind of like making a choice and moving forward – I was inspired to like, I literally said this to my friend when we were grilling last night. I was like, I'm going to say this quietly because it's very embarrassing, but um, I restarted my manifestations and she was like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, no, totally super lame. And I don't mean it exactly how you think, you know, how you just like start like visualizing like what you want your life to look like and just like things you want eventually, whatever. Like I'm not a big manifester, manifestator, whatever. But I do love like a Pinterest moment and kind of just like getting vibes and finding things I like and just kind of, you know, putting things on the radar so that like maybe the universe will manifest them for me. And just like feeling good, like just like feeling like, ooh, this is my vibe. I'm a visual girly. So I redid all of my Pinterest boards and just started pinning new stuff. One of the things that's like very like attainable, like in the moment is just like I have a flower section like it's so lame I'm like a grandma but I don't know what it is it's like I'm I was just on Pinterest and I was looking at different like flowers and like outside and home styles and it just like really kind of realigns me with like visualizing that kind of you know best version caretaking part of myself but the worst part of myself in this process is like the fact that I know I'm gonna switch apartments and like kind of have a lot of like shit going on what I do is I'm like oh well like what's the point of going and like creating that flower arrangement when like it would be cuter on like a dining room table and I don't have a dining room table maybe I should just wait which I talked to you guys a few weeks ago about stopping waiting like just when you think of something when you feel like doing something like don't wait for the perfect time don't save it for later just in case like you can do it with tv 
TV. I'm like, Ooh, should I start this now or like save it for later? Like maybe like when I need it, like need more of a pick me up or like really have no plans. Now what I do is I'm just like, fuck it. No, we're doing it now. Something else will come up. Like, why am I saving good things for later? Like, why am I not just good now? So this is me holding myself accountable to make a flower arrangement this weekend and just keep manifesting like good vibes and like feeling good on Pinterest. You guys know, I've talked to you guys about it before in a sense of like, if social media is like kind of like overwhelming and you're getting anxiety and all this stuff, Pinterest is like really safe place for just like good vibes, mood boosting and feeling like you're in control. And also if like you're someone that loves organizing like me, I reorganized all my boards and like changed all the cover photos, which is just like so lame and silly, but like it really boosted my mood. And last but not least, the Kindle is back out. I've been such a bad Kindle girly. I've just been go, go, go nonstop having the time of my life. I'm sorry. I haven't gotten to the place that Kenzie Elizabeth is at yet where like she's go, go, go nonstop party and also Kindles. So um, if you're listening, I'm trying and the Kindle is out. She is ready. Obviously I'm reading The Anatomy of Anxiety, which uh, we are going to have the author on the podcast. And then I downloaded the Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth, who's one of my favorite authors. And now that I can lay in the sun and get tan and be a summer girly, she needs her Kindle. She just really does. Also, because you can't really see your phone in the sun. Like, it's the lighting's not great. So, gotta read. A constant mood booster on the podcast is Ritual because we love mood boosting rituals and we love the brand Ritual. Gaps in your diet shouldn't be ignored. Over 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of omega-3s, both of which are important for me personally and just in general for mood boosting. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. So it's formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But my favorite thing, because you guys know I'm a little bit of a nerd, is they didn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of the essential for a woman 18 plus multivitamin. And of course, the results were that it was shown to increase the vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. The clinical study was published in a leading scientific journal, and this is like a very big deal because it's a serious commitment to do a study like this, and it's a first-of-its-kind standard in the industry. They're also obviously committed to third-party testing from USP, the non-GMO project, and use traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients in they always have clear communication. I love everything that this brand stands for. I love their exhaustive research. I love their attention to detail of ingredients and even like the flavor of it. You guys, you put this thing in your mouth and it literally is like minty and fresh. Like it doesn't feel like a yucky vitamin. And it's just super easy because you guys, we have summer to worry about. We don't have time to like be taking a million vitamins. We just like need to get it and go. So it's absolutely necessary for me. And if you guys haven't tried it out right now, Ritual's offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash mood and turn healthy habits into a ritual that's 10% off at ritual.com slash mood. Okay, you guys, I'm really excited for you to listen to my conversation with Jason. I do just want to say we had some technical difficulties the past week and Jason was so lovely and figured it out with me because him and I both were having technical issues. So it's not like the best of the best audio, but I feel like me saying that you're going to be like, oh, it's not that bad because it's really not that bad. But I just like, you know, I feel like I always ask you guys to like rate and review and like leave a nice thing to say. Um, just just like don't like take it out on that you know like five stars like stunning smart beautiful we love it and enjoy jason so i know at the beginning of your book too um you talk a lot about or for the first time i guess about mental health and kind of opening up about it and you know it may not be linear but i kind of wanted to hear like how you think about mental health because that's kind of what we talk about on the podcast but obviously you have such a different perspective being a guy and having this desire to be that like successful man. And it's not often we hear men open up, but I think a lot of people can obviously relate to the success aspect of it. So kind of what was your experience like getting that new relationship with mental health in yourself? Yeah, I think one of the big things I notice is that it's like this invisible like handicap, if you will, right? Um, you feel it, you experience it. Um, but not many people can see it. The only way they can see it, I mean, everyone has their own episodes and stuff, at least for me, the only way they could see it is in my mood or when I was actually having like physical panic attacks, which I got really, really, really good at hiding. Mm. And so that was one of the things, it's this invisible weakness. It's this thing that no one can see that you're dealing with. 
And so, so many people can choose to, to handle it so many ways. And the way I handled it for most of my life was the way I would suggest everybody does not handle it. And that was, I was so fearful of showing any form of weakness uh, more in the professional world in the line of banking that I was in, but also within my personal world that I would do anything and everything to camouflage what I was going through. Fortunately, I did recognize when things kind of got out of control that I needed professional help. So I didn't camouflage it from a therapist uh, or a psychiatrist who I worked with, but I did camouflage it from literally, literally every other person in my life. My mom, my dad, my girlfriend at the time, my, my other friends. I mean, the only people that knew about what I was dealing with and what I was being prescribed to deal with it was my psychiatrist, my therapist, and my pharmacist. Yes. Yeah. I would go into CVS or Walgreens to get my, I mean, this is how bad it was. Second, I would go into Walgreens to get my prescription. I already had the label off the, the bottle. I already had the packaging out. I already had it shredded. And I had the actual pills transferred into a ibuprofen bottle because I didn't want anyone to like come into my apartment with roommates or anything like that, see it. And so that was uh, a really eye-opening position for me to be in. That's how embarrassed I was of something that really only starts to get cured and taken care of and worked on until you own it. And here I was just burying it. I've literally never, and I obviously talk about mental health for a living. I've never heard of anyone like going to those lengths to kind of hide almost the solution. You know, like you hear people hiding issues, but it's almost like, yes, you were so concerned with the issues coming out that you were also hiding the solution. Because I think a lot of times there is such strength, which is why I'm so impressed with that part of your story of, you know, no one in your personal life knew what you were struggling with, yet you still had the strength and like the intelligence to go seek help on your own, which, you know, as hard as it is to tell people in your life, it's also hard to get those solutions. So it's such an interesting kind of like dynamic of you did it for yourself, but you were still hiding the progress and the solution. Like, you know what I mean? And, you know, I must say too, as well, like kind of seeing it as a weakness too, is like, we, we do see it as a weakness when if someone had, I don't know, diabetes, they wouldn't be like, Oh, I have to take medicine for this. They wouldn't be embarrassed about, I mean, maybe a little embarrassed for some other reason, but not in that like stigmatized way. And I think it's so incredible that you're so open about that part of it too, because sometimes that's actually the harder part for people is going and getting that professional help. So did you just kind of like take that upon yourself because it was just that bad? Yeah, I think it's this interesting dichotomy between survival and protection, right? So like the survival as, as me as a human, which all of us do is like we are animals and we are born to survive and we are born to feed ourselves and treat ourselves and find a way to survive. And like the survival instincts was like, something is happening to me. Like literally, I can't be in the middle of meetings having to leave mm. that panic attack. I can't be having these Sunday night scares and not sleeping at all before uh, my uh, work day. I can't go into a meeting and literally be sweating, you know, dripping in my back and my face and having this can't happen. So the survivor in me is like, I have to find a solution. And the only solution I can think of is seeing help and getting medication. And then the, the protector in me was like, while I'm surviving, I must protect my reputation at work and my credibility at work and with my peers. And by protecting mm. that, I kind of have to hide it. And so those were the weird two dichotomies. And the interesting thing I've learned in life, and this was, you know, this was more like around seven, eight years ago, right? And so I would say, yes, mental health was being talked about for sure, but not at the level it is now. But I do think one of the big takeaways for that is what I thought was such a weakness and what I thought would deter me from so much opportunity actually became such a strength when I talked about it. It created mm -hmm. vulnerability, which created deeper connection, which also created relatability because there are a lot of people, I agree with you, not going to the lengths that I went to to hide it. But there are a lot of people and most people that are a little ashamed of it and a little uh, embarrassed by the way their body reacts or their mind thinks. And so I think taking ownership in that was really important, but I still will stick to this. I'll stick to this. And I, I do mean this. And if people challenge me, I would have a strong retort. 
in the field I was in, in the corporate space I was in, if I did go and talk about this openly, if I did showcase my mental weakness, there's no way they would have had the confidence, credibility, and trust in me the way they did with clients, with mm-hmm. promotions, with leadership. And there's so much subjectivity that actually goes into being selected by the higher ups in corporate America that will dictate your success. That if I think they knew what I now talk about, there's no way I would have got the promotions that I would have got. I wouldn't have got asked to move to what places I got asked to move. I wouldn't have got paid what I got asked or what I was given for pay. I'll stand by that. No, a hundred percent. I think it's easy to, as you know, people that, you know, you obviously segued into part of the entertainment industry somehow, and I've only ever been in entertainment. And so it's still scary, but it's definitely like nowhere near a corporate setting and that kind of hierarchy and the power that they have over you and your future. So what was that kind of journey like for you? Cause I mean, obviously I'm sure you told people in your personal life, kind of what was going on before you put it in a book, right? No, no. You shut the fuck up. Are you serious? So I wrote it in the book. Oh my God. I gave it to my mom first. And I said, I said, mom, give it a read and give me a call. And she gave me a call. She's like, I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you talk to me about this? Like, why wouldn't you tell me about this? You know, we would have been there to like support you and help you. And um, yeah, no, in the book was the first place that I really shared all this. Because that's mind blowing to me. Yeah. It is right. And I've talked a little bit about like in my podcast and in other areas, I've talked a little bit about the fact, like I dealt with some situational anxiety. I didn't talk to the, about the length. So, I mean, the book, I talk about the fact that some of the coping mechanisms, I mean, what I would do is I would put um, Xanax and beta blockers in Eltoid cases and I would hide it in my, my coat pocket and, you know, God forbid, I thought I had a panic going on or something. I would take it out and take one. So people thought I was taking a breath mint, not a Xanax or a beta blocker. What I quickly learned is that there's a lot of rattling that goes on in those Eltoid cases. Yes. Some people would see that here that they'd want a mint. They would not want. I was going to say, what do you, what do you, what do you do if someone asks you for a mint? Right. Well, then I got a little smarter and I started putting it in Listerine strip cases. So it couldn't rattle as much. And it was very rare that someone asked for a quick Listerine strip because that pocket's so small. And so like, those are the extents I was going to. And the first time I really talked about like the details of it was in the book, which is crazy. I'm going to ask you like a a really annoying therapist question, but how did that make you feel when your mom called you and said like, why didn't you tell us like you could have told us? I think a little bit of it was like a little shameful. I felt a little um, fearful. Um, so I felt a little embar- like a little embarrassed, a little ashamed, but also like, you know what? Just I took ownership of it. I was like, yeah, mom, that's that's what I was dealing with. I was under, I think, I think she also wanted to know like cause, like what do you think was causing that? And mm. talking through that of saying like, well, I think that I was putting so much pressure on myself to be everything I needed to be to everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. I had to be the perfect banker to my boss. I had to be the perfect uh, service provider to my client. I had to be the perfect uh, communicator to the service individuals that worked for the team. I felt like I had to be a different person for each individual. And I was putting so much weight on myself being everything I wasn't instead of me, I lost kind of who I was. Right. I think that comes down to the the discussion topic is like there is a beautiful plant and there are things that happen in that plant and there are issues that happen with the plant but it all starts from the root and for me it was just like driving down to that root to really understand and i think when i explained it like that it started to click with her and i think what's sad is i think she felt like she didn't do her job as a mother like knowing this where i felt embarrassed lonely and fearful that I didn't include them on a part of my life that I really could use their help. Well, I mean, now that I know that it came from the book too, I'm just like even more grateful for the book. I'm like, look what it's done for you and your family. Like you had to have this amazing moment with them. And that's just, you know, something that's really hard to have that conversation with the people that you love and like, Hey, like, listen, you put it in a book and you decided to do it with the world and everyone else at the same time in your life. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a double whammy, but you know, I am curious was a lot of this happening like in your twenties. Cause obviously that's kind of when you start, you know, going up the corporate ladder and everything, because I know that kind of 
you obviously have navigated your twenties and the people listening to this podcast, it's kind of always this topic that I discuss with like just a little bit older of people and just more successful people to be completely honest. Like, I guess navigating your twenties in general between like career, where to live, like who to date, like was all of this anxiety and stuff happening during those kind of like really important years for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things too, I don't want to miss is it was interesting that when I did talk about this in the book, how many, like I was so kind of embarrassed because if you guys read this book, the restart roadmap chapter one, page one, boom, I talk about passing out an executive's floor. And I was like, this is embarrassing. And I cannot tell you how many people I've had that have come to me saying, I too have had the same issue and I haven't told anybody. And I'm not talking about what you, the the people you would think I'm talking about like my friend's parents, like the 65 year old dad who already retired, who I always thought was like the big tough hardo. Like, yeah, I need to open up. I dealt with the same thing. Or a lot of my colleagues, I can't tell you how many of my colleagues were taking SSRIs, Xanax, beta blockers, anything and everything, because they were dealing with some of these pressures and their ages were all over the place, which ties back to your question. I think one of the biggest things was that people could take away from this is whether it's your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. One of the things that was putting a lot of stress on me was the financial pressure I had Mm. from the debt that I took out for my MBA. And so I knew that in that time period, I could not lose my job because I had budgeted getting my MBA with the cash flow that was coming in for my job. That was financial pressure. Financial pressure will cause you to do things outside of your comfort zone and outside of really who you are. And so that was a huge factor and that could bleed into any age. The second thing was, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I knew what I wanted everyone else to think I was, Mm. right? And that's where I had a quick lesson. And I'll put this out for anybody, consider it. I sat down and I put a piece of paper and I called my mom. I called my board of directors or when I, my board of directors, my good friends and stuff, my girlfriend, I said, I want, I have five questions. I want five answers. Let's do it quick. And I really wanted to know what they thought of my career, my outlook, where I was, give me words to describe it. All these words were like successful, um, go-getter, uh, huge, huge future, happy, confident, all these things that they thought I was in my career and where I was at. I sat down in a room by myself and wrote truly what I was. It was uh, insecure, uh, lost, not sure what's next, confused with career. All the things the closest people in the world thought I was versus what I really was, was a huge disconnect. That's clearly showing that one, I haven't dropped into myself of who I am. And two, on a day-to-day basis, I'm clearly not representing my authentic, true, honest self. And so that was a big takeaway. And I think doing that put so much pressure on me to be what I wanted people to think I was, as opposed to just being me. And now I could sit at any conference, any meeting, I could be interviewing A-Rod eye to eye. I don't have facts. I don't have these worries. I don't have any of these concerns because mm-hmm. I know when I go to that interview or I sit here and talk to you, I could just be me because I finally know me. So when you write kind of like that thing, and I'm sure it's obviously a part of, you know, the restart roadmap and you hear the words that, you know, someone uses that obviously you clearly have to like value and knows, know you like knows that they know you, right. Whoever that is. And then you find that your words don't align with those. I feel like what, you know, the first thing that comes in my brain and my brain happens to work like a lot of other crazy girls is like, my first instinct would be like, okay, so this is what I think I am. This is what they think I am. My first instinct would be like, how do I connect back to those people? Like genuinely. So how did you, like, what's kind of that next step in your brain of figuring out what the actual words are supposed to be, not just realizing that they don't connect and trying to get to those really cooler, better words that your family and friends described you as. Right. I think it's, it's, oh, it's it being honest with yourself. It's accountability with not only yourself, but the people close to you. And when mm. I told all of them, I showed them my list versus their list. Mm. They were like, what, what do you mean? And I didn't explain things to the depth that I do go in the book, but I right. told them that like, I'm really not that happy. And they were absolutely blown away by that. I think the best way though, to restart, right? So we talk about the restart roadmap. You can't restart unless you like rewire how you got mm. there. And part of that I discuss in the book, I discuss about life at all, is I, I, I categorize this blueprint. Like we are all born into what I believe is this blueprint. And this blueprint is derived from the way that 
teachers teach us, parents push us, uh, society directs us through the television shows we watch to the next door neighbor's job and the really super successful family we know in our area. We start to see things and that shapes and defines what success is to us. Mm. And so then we pursue what is this blueprint of what will define success only to find that this system most of the time isn't working. We're ending up in massive amounts of debt. We're dealing with lack of, 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 of career opportunity and acceleration. We're not getting the impact and passion that we want out of what we're doing. We're not getting paid what we should be getting paid. And we're spending too much. Divorce rates are high. Like you can go on and on about why the depression rates are high, uh, higher than they've ever been. So uh, engagement levels at work are lower than they've ever been. So you can go through all the statistics of the system, the blueprint, and it's not working. Right. So I think people need to rewire to understand where they are today, how they got there, and where they lost track of what that path was so that their story is being written and it's not being written for them. And so I think before you restart, you have to rewire to further understand yourself. A quick break to talk to you guys about Bloom. You guys know I love pasta and pizza. I'm even staring at these like Annie's organic cheddar squares right now. And it's really hard not to eat the whole box. But guess what? It boosts my mood. What doesn't is obviously that I get bloated. It feels really gross. And this green powder that I tried from Bloom obviously can help with that. So Bloom Nutrition makes it easy and delicious to give your body what it needs to feel your best inside and out. And their greens and superfood powder blend fights bloating, helps digestion, increases natural energy, and the best is it keeps your skin glowing too, which is important because we wear less makeup in the summer and we're in swimsuits and we just want to feel good. It's not about looking good. It's about feeling good. Bloom greens are packed with over 50 nutrients, including whole fruits and veggies, fiber, probiotics, antioxidants, and more all in one easy to drink formula. My favorite part is the fiber. I don't know why. I just feel like I don't get enough. And like this is such an easy way. You mix it with water or smoothie and you add it to your daily routine and it comes in four amazing flavors. They have coconut, mixed berry, citrus, and original. And Bloom is made for you, whether you're trying to recover from a big meal or a night out or you're just a fitness buff over 350,000 people trust bloom to feel better every single day and the packaging is really cute by the way right now bloom nutrition is offering my listeners 15% off your first purchase of their greens and superfoods blend when you go to bloomnu.com slash mood that's b-l-o-o-m nu.com slash mood for 15% off your purchase. So go to bloom nu bloom new.com slash mood for 15% off back to the podcast. A hundred percent. And I think that a lot of people, especially after the pandemic are realizing, you know, they're not doing it to that extent, but I think they're definitely seeing kind of those gaps in fulfillment and just realizing that they can make a change, but they're just so afraid. I feel like every single time I do have a guest on or do a Q and a or anything, it's where should I live? I don't know if I love my job. I'm too afraid to leave. I think I want to break up with my boyfriend or whatever it is. And I, I mean, obviously change is scary, but how do you kind of like grapple with, you know, the people that come to you and now look up to you and are like, I want to do all of this, but I'm so afraid that I'm going to make the wrong decision or I'm not going to get paid enough. Or what if I don't like it? Because obviously the scariest thing is uncertainty in the future and change is uncertain. So what is kind of those like little toolkits to making sure you're at least confident in the decision? Cause I believe there's no right decision, but how do you at least kind of move forward confidently after you like rewire and restart? Yeah. So fear is the biggest deterrent from anyone doing anything. And what's interesting about that whole predicament of fear is that fear will drive you to be paralyzed to make a change, but making any slight change is the only action that will actually give you information so that you can make a better change in your life. So a quick breakdown here, this can be, uh, this could be pursued in the game of poker. This could be pursued in game theory literally as a general is directing war. You have to look at what options are and you have to immediately make an option and an execution because once you make a move, whether it's mm-hmm. in poker or whether it's literally in war, you have to analyze it because that move instantly gives you more information about everything. It'll give you more like in poker in a war, it'll give you more information about how media responds, how people react, how many deaths there are, what type of impact it was. In the poker game, it immediately gives you a read on what people are doing, how they're playing, how they're acting. 
Let's take those examples that literally the best poker players in the world use and also the best generals use when they have to be in war. And we're even saying that seeing that today in your life, you'll never know more about your strengths and where you should be and what you should do until you get that information. The problem is you're not doing it because you're fearful of what everyone else thinks, but you're so worried about what everyone else thinks. And the only people that really are going to criticize you are the same people that haven't done it or envious mm. of plays and decisions you're making but you'll never get the information you need to be where you want to be. And if you don't believe it hearing from me, let's go to some of the smartest people in the world or some of the most successful people in the world. I'll give you two examples that came on the podcast. Barbara Corcoran, at the age of 23, she had 22 jobs. She was fired from 22 jobs. Holy shit. At 23. What does that do? At 22 jobs, she quick, she didn't give a shit that she was fired. She learned, she sucked she'd be a waitress. She was terrible at doing this. She was awful at doing this. And then it hit was real estate and she nailed it. And she's like, this is it. And she found it at 23 from trial and error with more information. And when she did it, she partnered with her boyfriend at the time. Her boyfriend is bigger in real estate at the time. Her boyfriend cheats on her with the admin, kicks her out the door. She says, I don't care. I know real estate's where I want to be. I'm going to start my own firm. He told her, good luck. You'll never be successful without me. A $60 million exit later, I think she's doing just fine. Yeah. Another one is A-Rod. I mean, you look at A-Rod, he's one of the most uh, influential sports guys out there, best baseball players ever. Lived. He owns, he's one of the only guys that was a sports player and owns an NBA team. Uh, he's one of the most relevant people in pop culture. He's one in eight billion, in my opinion. How are you there? What he exactly said in 46 years, I have screwed up so many times in my life. I look at shit I did in my 20s, I cringe. I'm like, gross, like, how were you like that? But he attested to the fact that he lives his life in the sixth gear. He's always giving things a shot, always going full speed. And he's going to have cringe moments when you're moving that fast and doing that much. And he said in 46 years, he has lived more of a life. He has lived and learned more in 46 years than an average individual would live and learn over 15 years, all because he's not afraid to fail. So anyone out there that's afraid to fail, what I'm going to tell you is there's no way. It could be relationships, too. There's no way that you're going to find what you want in a partner. There's no way you're going to find what you need out of your career until you fall on your face over and over. And every person I've had in my podcast, from Gary Vee to Kevin O'Leary, Lala Ken, anyone that's coming on, every single one of them have fucked up over and over and over. It's just that they take the successes and the lessons from those failures and those fuck ups to readjust how they're going to move forward in the next part of their life. I love that. I think it's almost like, fucking up in the smartest way possible because we're all going to do it, but you can at least make the most of it and you have the information and, you know, it's, it's scary to, you know, now that you're kind of in the public eye, especially it's like that is magnified because it's not just to your friends and family and just like the people in your circles and your career. It's, you know, Oh, I'm going to go on and put my dating life out there. I'm going to put where I live out there. And then when I change, it's like, oh, now I have everyone else's opinions. And so I think that's obviously a greater scale, but for people that just need to honestly like drown out the other voices, like what's your kind of like number one go-to to just reconnect and reground with yourself, like in when you need to make a decision, you need to drown out the voices and you just need to choose right or wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a, I mean, that's a really, really good question. I think one of the things are there, there's just so much noise in this world that is nonstop. What's really fascinating is if you do analyze like behaviors and things that you talked about, like what are you sharing? What are you not sharing? It's wild enough that the people that actually share the most of all these big changes and discuss exactly what you just went through actually have the greatest success and the greatest interest because what they're going through is real. It's interesting. Like if you analyze the whole Tiger Woods situation, you know, some people could call him like, whatever you want your opinion to be, biggest piece of shit in the world, whatever it is. The interesting thing is like when people saw his struggles and that he wasn't just this athletic robot, that he has all of these flaws and weaknesses and is a real human, the likability for some reason, the intrigue to him went up 10x. And it's an interesting thing that the, the things that you think people are going to judge you for and want to uh, keep a distance from you for are actually the things that will connect you with them. I think one of the big things when it comes down to though, uh, analyzing and getting rid of the noise, especially I think within your career, is you have to understand what is the main reason that you're stuck. 
ignore mm. what people are saying, ignore the noise, ignore the, the, the chirps. Why are you stuck? In your career, I have found through tons of focus groups and interviews and research of five reasons or those five themes why people are stuck. It's a lack of mobility. Don't, don't feel like they have the acceleration or they're where they want to be. Uh, it's a lack of compensation. They haven't negotiated for themselves. They're not being paid what they should be paid for the value that they bring to the table. It's the lack of not having your natural skill set or learned abilities involved exactly with what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's fear of change, which we already talked about. And the last one of, of all of them, which will totally, totally get you stuck, is you have the things that you enjoy in life, the hobbies that you do at night, the things you do on the weekend, the things that get butterflies going in your life, passion and impact have no correlation whatsoever to who you work for, what you do, or what you mm. represent in your professional life. So it's one of those five. And the interesting thing is with each of those five, there's a customized solution that's different, right? If compensation's the issue, it's a whole lot different of an adjustment in your career than if aligned skill sets an issue. So identifying which one of the five it is and then putting a plan in place is important. And that's a big part of this restart roadmap is helping you identify which one is and then putting the solution to get you unstuck. I literally love that so much because I feel like it's so easy to just complain of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. And if you don't just like it, I love how you just keep bringing it back to like the simplest origin of everything. And as you were saying that, I was like, okay, now I got to like repick up the book and think about this differently because I'm always like, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck in my career and I've never really thought about why I'm stuck. So I will do that, you know, in my free time. But the one thing too, before I let you go that I want to talk about that you talk about on your podcast a lot too, is I think a lot of like the biggest kind of like crippling fear for like even people that like don't struggle with just mental health anxiety or whatever is that like finance of it all. And you have just like these open and just like real straight up conversations about finance. And I mean, I couldn't even begin to ever give someone that advice, but it, it really is this like, just de like debilitating feeling of, well, of course I'd want to move here, but like, I can't afford that or whatever. And it's just kind of, how do you, how did you start getting people just like so open and comfortable, just like straight up talking about money? Yeah. I mean, I think money in general is the number one reasons why relationships fail and the number one reason why people are lost. Like when you have financial independence or when you're even starting to make momentum towards financial independence, your confidence in the way that you can just drop into yourself changes significantly. And so what I always like joke around with and I say is like uh, sex to call her daddy is like money trading secrets, right? That's like our, how do you make finance fun? talk about money. And for right. some reason, my theory on this is that we don't, we're, we're uncomfortable. Like it's politically incorrect to talk about money. My theory is, is that like, this has been a form of etiquette instilled from the top down. Because if we sit in an organization and you and I work for the same company and we sit there and say like, okay, how much are you getting paid? What's your output? If we start having these conversations, we now have more information to go to our bosses and have a negotiation point and say, what the fuck? Well, you know, you're like, uh, Lauren is getting paid way more than I am. What's up with that? And my buddy over there, Jake, is getting paid two, two times what I am. And my output's greater. It's bullshit. And so my opinion is that the only thing that we could do in the masses to get ourselves ahead and figure out where we want to go and why and how and learn from it is to just talk about money. Talk about what you make. Call your friends and say, hey, what do you get paid for that? Hey, I saw you bought that X, Y, and Z. Did you negotiate that? Like the more we can talk about this, the more information we're going to have to become more financially independent. And when we're more financially independent, it changes everything. It doesn't just change work. It changes our health habits. Right, it changes right. where we can go. It changes who we decide to date. It changes where we decide to live. It impacts our overall happiness. And that's a big thing is that when I talk about success, I'm not talking about success like dollars. Success does not just mean you're, you're doing well from a financial standpoint. Success is defined by everybody differently, but success is literally a lifestyle. It's just mm -hmm. a lifestyle. Are you choosing to be successful with what you do with your health, with your wealth, with your happiness? And are you disciplined and organized uh, in doing that? And those are the questions no one can answer for you but yourself. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that even when it comes to saving money and all that stuff in your twenties, people don't talk about that as much. I remember having those conversations with some of my friends and just that saying, Oh, you don't have like this type of retirement plan because of your certain type of job or like, you need to do this. Why don't you have this credit card? And I think it's almost, it's even like a little bit 
weirder, at least where I'm from with girls for some reason, because it's less of this, like, like females, I guess are now getting paid more and making more money, which is kind of newer for our generation. So it's even more kind of odd to talk about, but I do feel like, especially, you know, talking about it in friends. Cause at first it's like, well, why would I tell my friends how much money I make? We're in completely different fields, you know? So it's like, that almost isn't relevant, but stuff like savings and credit cards and points and all that stuff. I had no idea until I started just like having those conversations with my friends. And then obviously, you know, my friends that are in the similar circles, it's completely beneficial for them when negotiating raises and promotions, leaving jobs. And, you know, I just think that your book is such a important piece of like literature for people that are young to be reading, because it's not just that woo woo. I'm sad. I don't know what to do. I want to feel better. It's actual tangible solutions that are going to get rid of a lot of those things like financial problems, like purpose. What's your, why, where are you going? Why are you going that way? Let's think about where you came from. I think it's these really kind of practical and tangible steps to take to really the, I mean, obviously the title restart roadmap. And I mean, I personally can't wait to dive even further into it because change is scary and transition periods are scary. I, I love asking people as my last question, when they write a book, I'm like, so are you good now? <laughs> like, that, like, so like you have the roadmap, you created it, you're giving it to me and my listeners. Are you good? Are you happy? Are we successful? Are we done? Like, where are we at right now in this moment? I love it. That is that is such a great question. One of the things I, I'm going to answer that, but I do want because I think you made so many good points on what you just said. And I do want to just like quickly comment on it. When you talk about like money with different industries too, it's like maybe it's not applicable. But the one thing I always try and get people to do is like expose where they're making money and exactly how much. And I think one of the ideas behind it is because you might be able to inspire someone to like give someone a shot. So mm. someone might hear about the fact that you started your podcast and how you were able to monetize it. And maybe it's, and I'm totally making this up. Maybe it's your friend who is, uh, you know, um, a night nurse, right? So she has nothing to do with what you do, but she hears like, wait, with a microphone and a message and a fun, and a couple of fun stories, I could do something. And maybe it inspires her to then start a, a night nurse only podcast. Totally. Yeah. So, that's why I think it's so important, no matter what industries you're in. And the other thing I do want to comment is as you were talking, it actually got me thinking, you know, you said you and your girls, like it's something that you didn't really talk about. And I think there's a central theme here between my camouflaging of mental health and a lot of camouflaging out there of not knowing things about finance is the whole theme of exposing weakness. Mm. And it's like really, really, for me, my grandfather was a world surgeon at 16. He sat me down and showed me his portfolio of where every dollar was and how to invest it. And I learned this. So the idea of opening money, whether it's a weakness or strength, has always been a comfort zone. Mm. The idea of me exposing my weakness with mental health was a far from a comfort zone. But the overarching theme between mental health and money and all this is ironically enough, it's exposing the weakness that will actually accelerate your relationships and deepen your meaning and actually get things in a better position faster, which is very, you know, contradictory to what you would assume, but it really is the truth. And it's been tested and tried over and over. Um, but I do want to get back to your question. I had to at least make sure I said that, but has everything figured out and everything happy? Hell no. I would say the one thing, you know, the, 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 the book is called the restart roadmap and it's very focused on navigating your career so that you are in a position where you're driving purpose, you're being compensated, and you're excited about what's next. And I will tell you within my career, I am so excited about what's next. I've never been more motivated. As a result of being more motivated, I've never worked harder. As a result of working harder and seeing success because my skill sets are aligned and I feel passionate, I've never been happier as a human, but I'm a happier human. I'm better with my friends, better with my parents, better to Caitlin, better to everyone. So I can tell you that I have followed this path, which has led me to really meaningful work. I had a couple of meetings this morning. I'm literally, we texted each other after it was with, I met at a breakfast with Sean Johnson's husband, Andrew East. And we talked about a few business things. We both texted each other after like, we are so buzzed. <laughs> it was like a cup of coffee meeting with him. And so that I have figured out so many other things I don't have figured out and so many other things I have to work on. Uh, and there are so many weaknesses, but I look at life as like 
every day is an opportunity to just be better. And no matter how many times I screw up today, as long as I can learn from it, I'm better tomorrow than I'll be today. And if tomorrow I'm not better than I was today, at least from just a learning perspective, then today was a miss. And so um, those are the, try, the principles I try and live by. And now they want me to write a second book. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Awful. The first book was like, I mean, I, I, I think you're talking to someone who's been working on her book proposal for like two and a half, three. I just like, it's oh, that's something Maybe I need to look at your like five reasons you're stuck thing and just reply, oh. like apply it to why the fuck can I not get this done? Like, and it just weighs on me. But what I will say, and I don't say to a lot of like every single author that comes on is they feel like, especially when it's like, you're writing from like a first person and you know, have been in the entertainment is I do feel like you have these at least like kind of like set set of skills and tools that you've developed that you're sharing with your audience that you as a human being who's never going to have everything figured out can at least go back to. And it's not just like, oh, here's my life story. And I fucked up a million times and I figured it out somehow. And like, here's the next 10 years. I do feel as though like instilling these types of values and principles and tools into your life at least allows you to hopefully, I assume kind of go back and be like, okay, like five years down the road, I'm stuck again. Let me at least do literally everything we talked about on this podcast. So you may have like invented them in your own way, but you could kind of read your own book if you need to is what I think. Crazy it is. I I intentionally made it like the word I kept using was evergreen. Like this Mm. is a book, whether it's a college student, it's a 20 year old, 30 year old, 40 year old, 65 year old today, tomorrow, two years, five years, 10 years, there's things that are applicable in here. And so what I thought about with like my journey is what a weird journey relocate. uh, You know, like it was like, I got promoted or relocated four times, four different States promoted seven times in 10 years, got my MBA, uh, lent hundreds of millions of dollars to companies. So, so I saw this corporate side, got to see like the inside offices and hear conversations of Forbes, most powerful bankers in the world, get that world. Then I quickly go to unscripted television. I see the whole world of like, production, marketing, positioning, branding. Then what post world, I'm seeing this whole world of social media growth. And then I'm on like shows like Good Morning America. And I get to watch an absolute stud like Michael Strahan prep in the background, have 10 seconds to deliver a message and do it flawlessly with everyone paying attention and laughing. So from the best and the brightest of positioning, marketing, negotiating from Wall Street to Main Street to like Hollywood to what we see in our homes in this 10 years, I've acquired these crazy lessons of just literally watching and trying to replicate. And so all these are behind the scenes stuff that I don't think too many people, a lot of people do, but too many people get to see and witness over a lifetime and evergreen. That's exactly what I tried to do. No, I mean, yeah, it's like your journey just as its own thing is insane going from that to bachelor to podcast. And the one thing I will ask you too, for the listeners is like, kind of what can they expect? Like, let's say we are just 20 something year old girls that kind of like lifestyle and all this stuff. Like we're still going to probably want to listen to your podcast, not just because of money, right? Like, what am I going to hear? What are they going to hear when they go to listen to the podcast and learn as well as be entertained? For sure. So there is an episode for everyone, no matter what your interest level is. So if you have fans from, uh, you know, we've had people from Real Housewives on Bachelorette, Survivor, Big Brother, name a reality television show. We have had someone on from that. Uh, there's a lot of uh, females out there that lead and inspire through entrepreneurship. Like uh, if you talk about, you know, Lala Kent did a great job. Chicks in the office have built a great brand. Girl with no job. They're all uh, Mal, uh, Molly Bloom from Molly's Game. That was a crazy episode. Oh, Matt, wow. Molly Irvin. Like, so if you name some of these women that are, you're really inspired by, if you go to the podcast, I think you'll find uh, something in that episode that they're not talking about elsewhere as it relates to like how they've fallen on their face, gotten back up. And totally. find the moves they made. And then there's some interesting episodes. Like we have one who's the CEO of every, uh, he's the CEO of the largest influencer agency in the world. Oh. Talks all about the breakdown of like social media from like the 2015 to like 2022, the dollars, how much people make, how they make it, where it's going. And so I think there's something for everyone, maybe not every episode, but there's an episode or two you might have interest in. Between the two of you guys on that podcast about influencer, do you see the times changing and how everything's changed that influencers are just going to continue to get bigger and bigger and they're going to pour more money and like more money into them? Or should I find a new job? Influencer marketing is fucking massive. 
It's growing by the billions every year. You can look at the market, uh, the market cap. It's growing double digits, triple digits in some cases by the billions every year. And essentially what's happening is people on social media are human billboards, but they're human billboards in which you can actually track the analytics mm. and you can track instant return. And so you're going to get different things from different influencers, but the dollars are transitioning from print and online and billboards to social media spend. And I meet with uh, founders of startups. I meet with venture capital companies that are investing in these consumer brands. And I meet with uh, actual influencers. And all the dollars being allocated are changing and increasing by the second. Um, so it's fascinating to see. I think we'll definitely see, and we already are, like transitions in which social media brands right. are engaging the most and where the best budget is still to this day. Most people are getting paid three, four, five, six, seven, eight X. Uh, that's eight times on Instagram as opposed to TikTok because some mm -hmm. of the TikTok analytics aren't as credible to the people that are spending. Yeah. Marketers that are spending feel more confident in what they're seeing from a result standpoint on Instagram because they know those numbers so are the, true. Yeah. TikTok numbers are a little inflated and they're not a publicly traded company. They're not US-based. So they, have, they feel as though there's a little less credibility. So people that have 10 million followers on TikTok are making less than some people that have 200,000 followers on Instagram. This is what I always tell people in like the real, my real normal life. I'm just like, I don't think you understand. That's not how it works. Like it doesn't, but I'm going to find that podcast episode too and just send it to people. I'm like, let him explain it to you. Like I, I've been doing this for over a decade. So I've been on social media. So I think instead of leaving what I selfishly found from this podcast is I'm just going to like really focus on your book and figuring out like where to go next instead of like quitting and like moving to a farm, at least not in the near future. So thank you so much for just like giving me what I personally needed. And I know everyone is going to absolutely love the podcast, love the book, your podcast. You're just offering absolutely so much knowledge and sharing such an incredible messages across all your platforms. So I can't thank you enough for taking the time out to spend it with our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Mood. Make sure to follow on Instagram for mood boosting throughout the week. And of course, to be the first to know when the merch drops, because ooh, these things are going to be flying like hotcakes. Get outside, go enjoy the sun. I hope you're walking, listening to me in your AirPods right now. You're literally so cool. Like you are amazing. Like this is a direct message from me to you. I adore you. Stay sexy. Don't know why I threw that in there, but Talk to you guys next week. Bye.